You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. And welcome to Alouette's Flight Tech, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football, sponsored by Tarps Apparel. I am your host, Tim Capper, along with the Hermes the Elf to my Yukon Cornelius, Cliffy D. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tis the season. Uh, I, had to, I, had to look up, I had to look up the elf's name. I didn't remember. I knew he wanted to be a dentist. I remembered that part. I could not remember his name. I could not remember. There's very little I remember of those old timey Christmas things because, yeah, it's. Yukon! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't you know? Bumbles bounce. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, happy holidays, everybody. Uh, last show of the 2018 calendar year, even though it is our first show of the off season. Um, a lot of stuff since our last show has come across the, the, the news wire. I mean, a ton of stuff. But what we, what Cliff and I will touch, we'll touch on a couple of of, the, of things that we want to talk about. But we want to talk about specifically the the Owls in review and uh, what was the team in 2018. Um, I mean, coming into the season though, you got to admit, Cliff, that you know, even though they say from year to year the team is, n- you know, it's never the same team. This team still was coming in on a huge, longest losing streak in team history. They were getting very close to matching uh, the all-time losing streak uh, in CFL history. Um, it just did not look good for this team at all. And it all goes back to those pictures that you and I and Mike took at training camp on the first two days of training camp, one over at the Big O and one over at uh percival molson um you know we we had high hopes i mean but you know even though it, you know that you and i made the completely uh, you were the probably the, you were the closest i think in in choosing how many wins that the team would have i never really picked something if i remember correctly i think mm-hmm. back to, to, to week one but um yeah there they were there were high hopes coming into the season yeah new uh well, new a lot of new co- coaches on the coaching staff new head coach etc 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 um but uh, I mean, overall, Cliff. I mean, from the beginning of the season till how the season ended up, what uh, what were your final thoughts on the Owls for 2018? Mm. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think we did have I wouldn't necessarily high hopes. We had hope, anyways. We wanted to believe that this team was going to finally find its way after the past couple of years of kind of going off the off the beaten path if you will i mean that's about as polite as i could put it i mean 2017 was a complete disaster and 2018 was not shaping up initially to look a whole lot better especially with a whole new coaching staff too we had to sort of temper our expectations a little bit knowing that this is a new staff uh led by a head coach who has zero cfl experience so i mean just from that alone you're kind of behind the eight ball so it really did make for an interesting camp in the sense that 
yes, this team is going to come together. There's definitely a lot of talent here, but how's it all going to work considering you've got a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defense coordinator, pretty much everything new except for one or two pieces. So, yeah, how, how, how does this all come together and how does it all become what we hope to be a winning football team? That was going to be the big question going into camp as well as – who was going to be the starting quarterback for the Montreal Alouettes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, just in years past, the Owls have had so many players come into camp, and we always sign, seem to, to sign these names that were known in the NFL. And we did the exact same thing again this year. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, just so many. I wish I could go back and check the roster again from from training camp. There's just way, again way too many. It seems to me like this this time around too. But uh, we're heading to 2019. But um, yeah, we just didn't really know who our quarterback was. You know, Darian Durant, he was he wasn't on the team anymore. We had a we had a, had a veteran presence and Drew Willie, but it just seemed that we really didn't think that with all the all the young guys that we had on the team that Willie really was going to be the guy for the future for the Alouettes. No, and only the most foolhardy of people would have thought that Drew Willie was going to be capable of leading a team in 2018. But the Alouettes they decided let's let's give Drew Willie the chance to resurrect his career, so to speak, and maybe hopefully along the way the young guys like uh, Matthew Schultz and Antonio Pipkin will pick up the slack and start learning on the job, so to speak. And unfortunately, Pipkin ended up being cut during training camp uh, because they, the the team really had high hopes that Josh Freeman was going to work out, and it didn't. Uh, they really hoped Matthew Schultz was going to become something, and well, he and ended up being the official backup to Drew Willie. But he had a, he had his struggles in preseason, as we saw. Yes, uh, again, it, at that point, uh, it really was Drew Willie was the best of a I won't say bad situation, but considering what all was there, all the uh, all that had gone on during camp and the preseason, yeah, it ended up uh, Drew Willie apparently was the the best choice to make, and. Drew really ended up being the starting quarterback for that first game against the BC Lions for the Alouettes in 2018. And the season really did not start off very well for the Alouettes at all. Um, no, it did not. Those those first two games were just an absolute disaster. I mean, they you know they set some some close to some home records. You know, with the drubbing that they got in a home opener, none you know no less versus Winnipeg. Um, played a, a a so-so game in BC, but the but the problem is is that you know, this team is the team is only scoring ten points a game, uh, leading into into the game going into into Saskatchewan, which seemed to be a daunting task in itself. But um, it just seemed that the Owls could not get anything done, and it just looked like we were about to go on a what was going to be a carbon copy of the 2017 season, um, but. Uh, whether it be by uh, luck of the draw, whether it be by that you happen to be in the stadium at the time, uh, the Alouettes were able to break uh, their longest losing streak in team history uh, with a very convincing and very uh, impressive 23-17 win in week three at Saskatchewan. And they were able to get off the snide get that first, and get that first win of the 2018 season. Oh, yes. It was absolutely fantastic. The Alouettes had their the first ever fan plane going out to Regina. I was very fortunate to be on board that plane. And yes, it was 
pretty awesome to be able to go to Regina, uh, party it up with uh, a, a bunch of great friends, including uh, our, our friends over at uh, Piffle's podcast. Had a great time with them. And yes, to be able to watch the Alouettes pull out a victory after so many losses, after nearly a calendar year of losing, to watch the Alouettes barely squeak out a win. Let's 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 not you know let's not uh, sure. sing their praises too high. All right, but. But I mean, it, again, at the end of the day, a win is a win, and Montreal managed to pull it off, and it was it was terrific. It was just great to, as you said, finally get off that schneid, get that monkey off their back, whatever whatever phrase you want to use. But they finally did. They finally got that W, and let me tell you, that was that was pretty sweet. And then heading into Week Four, it just seems that the the, the quarterback situation that has seemed to plague the Alouettes ever since uh, Hall of Famer Anthony Calvillo has gone down and has retired. It seemed to start all over again, and, and you know the the media picked it up. You know this is the the uh, the umpteenth quarterback to start for the Alouettes since AC since AC went down or since AC left the team. It's just been it was just an utter mess, and you know something happened to to Drew Willie in Saskatchewan, um, and uh, we were able to uh, I, I think we signed yeah, signed him one week and he came in basically. Um, in Jeff Matthews, he started uh, his first game for the Alouettes uh, at home versus the Ottawa Red Blacks and uh, put up pretty good numbers. Only lost by 10 to the Red Blacks, but still, again, the Alouettes have not, will not be able to win at home. And that just seemed to, to be the, the way that the Alouettes went for the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, you know, Willie came back, started again. Vernon Adams re-signed by the team and then came, and then started for the Alouettes. Um, but then the big story, one of the big stories for the Alouettes of the 2018 season. Uh, I've been talked quite a bit, you know, ever since he came in the league and would he come here, would he go there, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the Alouettes seemed to trade away the farm to pick up Johnny Football. And... Uh, Unfortunately, and against a lot of what not only I think the press said, but also what the fans were thinking, TV2, Manziel starts his first week with the, uh, starts his first game being the first week with the Alouettes at home versus Hamilton. And it was another utter disaster. I think disaster is putting it very mildly. I mean, <clears throat> when you're down twenty-eight nothing in the first quarter, and you've already thrown three—was it three picks? Yep. Yeah, and his first CFL pass was a pick. <laughs> yeah, it was not a great debut for Johnny Manziel in Montreal. And again, it goes back to the question: Why was this guy starting when he's barely been with the team not even a full two weeks, really? Because don't forget, he did actually dress the. The game against Edmonton, where Vernon Adams started, much to everybody's oh yes, that's true surprise. But was yeah. uh, not for you. Again, I, I can still hear it in my head: the fans chanting "We want Johnny" every time that the yeah. Alouettes offense just couldn't click. I mean, no matter what Vernon Adams was trying to do to to basically will this team to victory, uh, he just, he just every, for every step he forward he took, he ended up having to take two back. And sure enough, just having Johnny Manziel on the sidelines, knowing full well he was not going to participate in this match, just the fact that he was there in uniform was more than enough to get the fans riled up. And they really wanted to see him in the game, even though he, he there's no possible way he could have had the playbook down in just a couple of days. He, he didn't even have a pl- the playbook down 
his first game that he started. But again, we're not going to let that stop the Alouettes from making a such a, a, a rash, you know, just a rash decision like yeah. that. I yeah. mean, it, it didn't make any sense. And, and, you know, there's speculation on whether there was some pressure from the front office. Um, we don't know. If that's if that was the actual truth, you know, you know, maybe Coach Sherman did want to start him, but it, I, I, it was not the best decision. Um, Mantel goes and start, goes ahead and plays well. Probably one of his better games. He, he rebounded nicely uh, versus the Ottawa Red Blacks, but uh, he took one hell of a wallop. Even though the the Alouettes lost only by seven, and to lose by seven to the to the Red Blacks at this time of the year, I mean, this is still a strong Red Blacks team. To only lose by seven and lose right at the end of the game, the Owls are in this game for the entire time. But the problem is now Manziel gets hurt. He gets walloped, stays in the game, which seems like for whatever reason, uh, but it just seemed after the game that the, it looks like uh, concussion symptoms, uh, I guess, started to haunt him as the, uh, you know, after the game and after the week pro- progressed. And it was determined that, you know, he was going to go into a concussion protocol and Antonio Pipkin was going to be our starter versus Edmonton. Yep. And it's funny because, as I said, Pipkin ended up being cut during training camp and kind of left, I won't say left for dead per se, but uh, it was sort of became an afterthought. And then the Alouettes, due to the injuries to uh, Jeff Matthews, Drew Willie, Johnny Manziel, uh, Matthew Schiltz. Vernon uh, Adams. Uh, yeah, Vernon Adams as well. Way, let me let me get back. By the way, I, I said before that Adams was was re-signed. I was I was wrong. I had Pipkin. I had Adams looking at Adams, and it was actually Pipkin who was re-signed l- later on in the year. So I, I just wanted to make a caveat to, to what I said earlier. So yeah, so that's it. So Pipkin ends up being repatriated by the Alouettes, and great thing. It, this is again a great example to all the football players out there that end up being cut or released or or whatever. Just stay ready because you just never know when that phone's going to ring. And sure enough, like Pipkin was in training camp. He pretty much knew the offense. He pretty much knew the playbook, had it down fairly well. So this was the prime opportunity. And again, sometimes you just you just need that one chance to prove that you belong in this league. And sure enough, Pipkin came in, started his first game in Edmonton, uh, looked pretty decent even in a losing effort. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of fans sort of had a little bit of hope, started thinking, okay, well, maybe this all this guy really needed was a chance, and what's the worst going to happen? He ends up starting at home versus the Toronto Argonauts, and the Alouettes win their first game at home in nearly a calendar year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what a game, actually. Uh, I, I still remember just how loud that game was. Oh, yeah. And it, it again, it, as I said back then, it, it reminded me of the Alouette games of old where – for for once, Percival Molson Stadium was, was rocking. Like it was a place where you did not want to play if you were the opposition, and to play against the defending Grey Cup champions, your former head coach in Mark Tressman, your former quarterback in Anthony Calvillo, as he was the quarterbacks coach for the Argonauts, I, I, with a number of former Alouettes in the lineup as well. I mean, this was this was a game that Montreal had to win, and. In a lot of ways, they shocked the world by winning the game because I think despite the fact that the Argos were kind of reeling in their own sense, Montreal being uh, just a wreck at times, just sort of a rudderless ship, I I, I think people just, they wanted so badly for Montreal to win to finally get that win at home for the fans and really prove that, hey, this things 
things don't look great, but this team is not as bad as what people are making it out to be. And I think just for that one brief shining moment, just that, that final play of the game, Toronto lines up for a field goal just to, I was it the tie or to win the game. I think it was just to, just to tie it. I think it was to tie the game. Yeah. And watching that ball just bounce off the upright. Oh yeah. And everyone exploded in, in joyous victory. It was, it was amazing. I mean, you talk about a moment in time, like to me, that's one of those things I'm going to remember for a good long time. And I've seen my fair shame, fair share of Alouette's games at Percival Molson Stadium. I've seen some pretty magical moments there, but that right there, I would have to say, would probably be one of the highlights, if not the highlight of 2018 at home for the Montreal Alouettes. And then from there, uh, we play um, after after the game versus uh, after Toronto. We we go and we play Ottawa again. And the Alouettes were able to do something that they had not done since the end of the 2016 regular season, Cliff, and that was to win consecutive games. And they laid an ass-whooping on Ottawa. I just decimated this team. I mean, to hold Ottawa to 11 points, 11, it, it the defense this showed that this team was starting to grow despite the record. This team was starting to grow. Yeah, and again, just that general consensus that the Alouettes were a train wreck. They were a dumpster fire. Whatever phrase you want to use to describe just how awful they were and how they can't get anything right and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? These For that moment, for that, that time, that brief moment in time, it looked like everything was just starting to click. Now, finally, they were at least building towards something. And this is something that I have stressed too, is just, just be building towards something. I was I had accepted the fact that 2018 was going to be another rebuilding or retooling year, and I was fine with that, as long as they're building towards something. Because you have to be able to justify the hiring the coaching staff that you did. You have to be able to justify having the players on staff that you do. You have to justify so much. And that's fine. It's, it's a lot easier to justify these things in a losing season if you can prove that you're building towards something big. If you are building towards a goal of uh, eventually getting back to those glory times with the Alouettes, mm-hmm. if you can prove that you're doing that, then fans are more willing to accept, uh, I won't say a 3-15 and 15 season or a, a, even a 5-13 and 13 season, which is what it ended up being. But I had said that this team should be going 7-11, and 11, and they'd probably miss the playoffs. But as long as they're building towards something bigger, I was okay with that. Now they didn't quite make that mark, the seven and eleven mark. They did end up being five and thirteen. And are they building towards something? I want to believe they are. I want to believe that with this team, there's something here. I want to believe there is some really good talent here, and it just has to be nurtured properly. I really truly believe that. I really want to believe that with my heart of hearts. If that makes me a homer or you know just a, a fanatic or whatever like that, then so be it. But uh, from what I've seen so far, especially after what we've seen this past season and what's coming ahead, I want to believe that the Alouettes are on that track, and I sincerely hope they are. That's that's something that fans have to be hoping for, just based on the like the the few wins that the Alouettes did have, and the players that were a part of that, and they're still part of this team and part of this organization going forward. You have to be encouraged a, just a little bit by what you saw in those instances. And I'm really hoping that the Alouettes take note of all of that. And when it comes to their personnel decisions, as far as whether it's the coaching coaches, signing free agents, retaining players that are already under contract, I hope these are the things that they take note of, take note of the the, the nucleus, the, the camaraderie that 
developed between these guys. And I just hope that they do what they can to keep that going forward for 2019 and beyond. And we can also see that from some of the early free agent signings that the Alouettes have done uh, just in the past couple of weeks, it, it shows that this, you know that some of these guys want to stay. They 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 must see something in order for them to stay. But we'll, I say we'll we'll get onto that now. Uh, from there, it, it was you know the whole thing with you know did Manziel say this? Did Manziel say that? Uh, you know it also you know with Antonio Pipkin's next start versus BC. Uh, this is this is one of the games if I'm not mistaken where just Manziel just should should just, should just have shut his trap. Just be quiet. You're at home. Let you know you may you're still currently number two. They don't think you're ready to play. Let the young guy play. You're still getting paid, so just shut up. And mm-hmm. that, that unfortunately, I think I we don't know if it got into the head of a Pipkin or not. But Pipkin versus BC, uh, he he laid an egg, and the Alouettes were back onto their on their losing losing uh, onto their losing ways again. Um, but then it just snowballed from there. So you know, Manzel again, he he was the starter for the rest of the season. But for the next five games, showed you know showed some signs of improvement in the CFL game, uh, you know barely, barely lost a few, you know lost a few games here and there. Uh, did, did very well versus a, hey pour me a drink. Uh, you know just, just barely lost out to the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders at home. Um, that that was that was an amazing game. Him and his, his first touch CFL touchdown was a flea flicker. Oh yeah, <laughs> double flea flicker, double flea flicker. Yeah, caught everybody napping, even myself. Like I saw something happen, and the next thing you know, boom, he finds a Darius Bowman for his first CFL touchdown. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, just wow. <laughs> and of course, had to flash the money sign. I mean, of course. Of course, it's Johnny Manziel. What do you what do you expect? I mean, yeah. come on, yeah. come on. <laughs> the Owls lay an egg versus Calgary, which where they had a chance to uh, to beat them, and they just they just couldn't do anything. Um, and but and this is nice to say that the last loss for the Alouettes of the 2018 season was in Week 16, as after their 16th game. Mm-hmm. After that, the Sunday game versus the Toronto Argonauts. They just laid an ass whooping on them. Forty points. Forty yeah. points. They they had not scored scored forty points in quite a long time. Hell, 30, there's uh, times uh, uh, there's th- a time where they, they couldn't even score forty points in like two three games. Yeah. Forty uh, a thirty point uh, margin of victory. That, that, that we're talking old school owls, old school owls. And then to beat Hamilton, they finish the season with a two game winning streak. Sure, they finish up. I said they finish up. At five and thirteen, but it is still an improvement over the 2017 season. Still, we still do have some questions leading into the off season and heading back into 2019, but it is an improvement. And this, even though this team had lost five of their last seven, you can also say that they were four and five at their last half of the season. I know some people don't like to hear that, but <laughs> see it put put that way. But the Owls look good. Over their last nine games, something changed. It wasn't just Manziel. They just—it was just a, a different team. They just need to build upon that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you also got to see certain players come out and shine. Uh, best example I can think of right off the top of my head is William Standback. Yeah, he came I, out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, after the Sutton to, trade. Yep. To well, 
Yeah, I'm also talking like in training camp. He was. Oh, that too. Yeah. He, he was kind of. He actually got he actually got hurt during training camp, and was actually worried about being cut. But somehow, by the the skin of his teeth, he just barely made it onto the Alouettes roster. Had to put some time in on the practice roster because yes, we did have Tyrell Sutton still in camp. Uh, we still had Stefan Logan. Uh, uh, we also had uh, Ryder Stone, who also too kind of uh, mm-hmm. we we sort of knew what to expect from him though because I mean being a being a, a Canadian draft pick, I mean, obviously he's going to get as many opportunities as possible, but William Stanbeck pretty much came out of nowhere. Like Alouette's fans had no idea who this guy was at the start of the season, but he put in his time on the practice roster. He waited for his opportunity. Uh, when Stefan Logan got hurt, he was immediately called upon to help uh, return, return kicks and did a very admirable job of it. As a matter of fact. And again, we got a chance to see his uh, running on display. Uh, he did a very good job in Montreal's backfield and obviously earned enough trust within this Alouette's organization that they felt comfortable in trading Tyrell Sutton to the BC Lions. Yeah. A yeah. move that was definitely not too well received by fans, obviously, because Sonny was very much a popular fixture here in Montreal, uh, living, living here year-round and always being very much uh, a part of the community, if you will. Uh, so... Right off the bat, uh, William Stanback had a lot of uh, had some pretty big shoes to fill in that regards. But I think he did an admirable job in doing so. Uh, earned the honor of uh, being the Alouettes nominee for most outstanding rookie, which is and, no small no small feat in itself. And also became technically the face of the new Alouettes look that will be launched in February. Oh yes, let's uh, let's not talk. Let's not forget about that. Uh, they kind of teased it a little bit. Uh, he was the releasing. one. On, he wasn't the one for uh, for uh, Enoch Mwamba, not the picture that was in the twenty four mag uh, on the twenty four in the uh, Van Cata magazine, but he was the one that was in the Metro, the Metro, yes. in the Mego Metro station. They go both he and Jean Gabriel Poulain, another draft pick. Uh, that's uh, uh, another young man that I think is going to definitely have his star shine a little bit brighter next season. Uh, these two young men basically are becoming slowly becoming the faces of the Montreal Alouettes as evidenced by this campaign. Uh, again, I, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with uh, how well they, these guys have embraced the idea of becoming the next superstars yeah. for the Montreal Alouettes. And this is something that they're going to have to look forward to in, in 2019, as well as the Alouettes themselves have to be able to market guys like this. And again, William Stanback is not a household name yet. Neither is Jean-Gabriel Poulain, but given the way that they played and the way that they've contributed in 2018 and what's expected out of them for 2019, I definitely expect these guys to, I won't say necessarily say take that next step into superstardom, but I definitely expect them to become more known throughout the Montreal, at at the very least the Montreal community and hopefully within the rest of the CFL as well. What was your thought on the, after the Alouettes did uh, their, the, uh, uh, the expansion of the rosters? We had some very interesting rookies that were finally allowed, who may have been on the practice roster, who came onto the onto the uh, onto the active roster and really made an impact uh, over the last three games, which we you know we hope to be able to, to see uh, going into uh, you know twenty nineteen training camp and hopefully into the, into the regular season. Oh, absolutely, uh, and and sometimes opportunities like this come along with yes, the expansion of the the practice roster towards the end of the season, but also too, unfortunately, sometimes injuries have to happen for you to to get you, the, your number to be called, and the, the mentality is always next man up. So when somebody goes down and they call your number, you better be ready to go. And a big instance of that would be friend of the show Greg Reed, 
after uh, Dominique Ellis and Mitchell White both got hurt and effectively lost their seasons to the uh, the injury bug. Uh, this gave an opportunity for a lot of players in the secondary to really step up and get noticed, and Greg Reed would be a, a prime example of that. Yeah. Uh, again, his last game, the last game in Hamilton, unbelievable. I mean, he has slowly been working his way up. Uh, same idea, putting his time in on that practice roster and getting those reps in when he, whatever he can. And he had himself a great game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Again, let's not forget, Hamilton was resting the vast majority of their starters. And still, it took a, a missed field goal for Montreal to be able to claim that, that fifth win. But at the end of the day, Greg Reed showed up. He had a great pick against uh, Dane Evans and... He, he proved that he belonged on this team. And just in talking with him, you can tell he's that that really lit his fire. That really proved to him that he belongs here. He wants to be a part of this team. This team believes in him. And I'm telling you, folks, come training camp. This is a name you got to keep your keep keep in mind is Greg Reed. This is a guy that is going to be a star in the secondary. And all he needed was that chance. He got that chance. And now I'm very excited to see what he does in the offseason as far as getting ready for training camp. And. I fully expect him to really come out and really wow everybody again. What impressed me was in his in his rookie, you know, his very first game in the CFL as a rookie, he's he's matched up versus S.J. Green, and as you and I both and uh, you know, CFL fans, especially Alouette fans, know S.J. is you know has always been a premier wide receiver in the CFL. And again, to be put up against him, but also to come out of the game as a rookie with. Uh, your, your rookie and, and your first game to come away with, I think it was nine tackles. That's not, that's crazy mm-hmm. for your very first game to come away with. I think in any time, any time is, you know, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And again, that just speaks to maybe it's partially desperation, but I think it's just a matter of he was putting in the work. And again, Coach Stubler believed in him. He, he, Again, he, he wasn't just going to put just anyone to line up with S.J. Green, for example. So, I mean, if if he's being entrusted with that pretty high assignment, that means this guy's definitely put in the work. He's definitely paid his dues, and he's definitely proven that he's ready. And when his number was called, he was ready to go. And like I said, I can't say enough good things about the guy. I mean, he's the solid dude on and off the field, and he's definitely proven his worth. And that's what you got to do. And this is where Montreal is going to eventually find success again is in finding these diamonds in the rough. The, the, the guys you don't, you, you don't, you wouldn't know from a hole in the wall. That's what Jim pop did when he was with the Alouettes. He found these guys, he gave them the opportunity. They were ready to go. And now I, I think a lot of people are still second guessing Cavis Reed as far as his ability to find a lot of these players. And you know what? I, I get it. I completely get it. But every once in a while, you do stumble on that that certain someone, and you just gotta give them the opportunity, and they gotta be ready for it as well. And the results speak for itself. Yeah. So it, it was an interesting 20, 2018 season, to say the least. There is a lot more to talk about, but before we before we continue with the show, we need to make sure that we give out a shout to uh, to our presenting sponsor, Tarps Apparel Company. Uh, Tarps Apparel is a uh, Canadian-made, Canadian-manufactured clothing company highlighting legendary athletes and their stories on vintage tees. But they're not just your regular t-shirts. Uh, at Tarps, they recognize what quality means, and, which is why they only use high-end bamboo-based materials for, our, for their tees to create a thin, soft feel that is unmatched in the sports clothing market. Now, I will admit, Cliff, uh, you and I have tried them on. 
Uh, they're 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 soft shirts, but in order, you know, to have these shirts available where you can get any of these legends from across the league, Angelo Mosca, Chris Walby, Greg Reed, uh, sorry George Reed, Gizmo <laughs> Williams, Earl Winfield, Louis Pasaglia, Paul's Baldiston, Tony Gabriel, and we can't forget Peter Delariva. It's it's well worth heading over to tarpsapparel.com. And by the way, Cliff. They mm-hmm. actually are having a holiday sale right now. Oh, where they are offering you buy one, you get one item fifty percent off, and it's on, it's on all items currently that they have listed on their on their uh, on their store. But as we have teased on social media, they are also uh, uh, they were also able to to give us a shirt to give away to our fans of the podcast. And Mm -hmm. we will be tweeting. We did this uh, with the random generator that's available on the internet. We will be tweeting out uh, the name uh, of uh, the winner so that you show everything was done on the up and up. Um, But let me go ahead and quickly, let's let me do this real quick. And the winner of the uh, Peter Delariva t-shirt from Tarps Apparel uh, is at Colombe Antoine. Colombe Antoine. We will reach out to you uh, on social media to let you know that you are the winner, and we will set everything up in how to get this t-shirt out to you. So so congratulations. But again, head over to Tarpus Apparel, our presenting sponsor. Uh, take advantage of this holiday uh, holiday sale because, uh, hey, get just don't get one. Get two. You said buy one, get one half off. So uh, again, we want to thank them for being a presenting sponsor for the, for uh, for us these uh, past couple weeks, and uh, uh, we uh, hope to, to keep them within the Alouette's Flight Deck family. Absolutely, again, great, a absolutely great product. Uh, congratulations to Antoine for for winning the Peter Dallariva T-shirt. And folks, if you want to get your hands on one of these, I'm telling you, this is the time to do it. I mean, buy one get one fifty percent off. I mean. That's fantastic. And again, you're not limited to just one player. There's so many players out there. If you don't support the Alouettes and if you don't, shame on you. But whatever team you support and they've got a legendary player, you're going to find that T-shirt on tarpsapparel.com. Go check them out. Absolutely great folks. And uh, again, I'm going to echo Tim's sentiments. Thank you so much for being a part of the Alouettes Flight Deck family. And I hope we can continue this relationship for years to come. So heading into the 2019 season, there have been a, you know, before we get there too, is that there is a few things that have come across uh, the newswire, um, a couple of things that we do want to talk about that have, that, you know, we do have some stuff that's weighing on, on our on our minds. But um, first, let's let's talk about, Cliff, the, the recent signing, because, you know, the free agent list came out and I, I for one, am surprised, but yet not that some of the players that have signed across the league and and, and with the Alouettes have signed already, even though uh, the CBA is going to expire early in 2019. Um, so who uh, who are the Alouettes picked up so far uh, on their roster through free agency for their uh, for for uh, for 2019? Well, as of as of this recording, uh, the Alouettes have put pen to paper for the following: they've uh, re-upped with Christian Matt. Uh, who is our guard slash center on the offensive line. Uh, they've also managed to retain Tony Washington, who is our left tackle. 
and has done a, a very solid job for for the Alouettes uh, since coming over as part of the Johnny Mansell trade. And also, the Alouettes are going to be retaining the services of one Eugene Lewis for one more year, at least. Uh, that move I'm very excited about because we saw what Eugene Lewis can do once given the opportunity. I uh, established a very good relationship with both Johnny Manziel and with Antonio Pipkin. Mm-hmm. And did end up lead, leading the Alouettes in receiving yards this season. Uh, so just right off the bat, those are some pretty exciting names. Uh, not exactly, uh, you know, usually most people don't get too excited about the offensive line. But considering how poorly the offensive line did as a whole this year, I think uh, the biggest thing right now is to establish this line as as much as possible and being able to retain guys like Christian Matt and Tony Washington in the, those positions definitely helps big time. Oh yeah, for sure. It, I was again, did it surprise you though, Cliff, that some of that from what we've seen in the league, the people that have signed considering, I said, considering that the CBA will be expiring and there's a possibility that they could be making some, making more money or is, is this just a matter of teams know that these guys are, Integral, integral parts of their teams for, for 2019. I can see both sides of the argument, and I can definitely appreciate any player that wants to weigh their options as much as possible. And I think what is kind of, I guess, sort of hanging overhead a little bit too is the start of this Alliance of American Football. And right off the bat, like without before a single down has been played, Already, you're talking about the kind of contracts that they're offering up. I mean, you're talking about three-year contracts worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which, again, divided by three, works out to just a little over eighty thousand a year U.S. versus trying to make eighty thousand dollars Canadian. I mean, that that's for for an American player. That's a, that's a huge difference. I mean, you don't have to worry about converting your money from Canadian to American and taking a hit on the exchange rate as well as on taxes. Uh, so I can understand why that would be a very attractive option for a lot of players as well. But I think, and especially in speaking with a lot of the players over at the, uh, when the Yellows had their locker room sale, I was talking with them about what their thoughts were on this. And I think a lot of them are, they're not so much concerned about what's going to happen as far as the CBA goes, because especially for the American players, it, I mean, it affects them, but not when, not as much as it would say if they were a national player. I think a lot of them are just the opinion of, I know what I'm worth. And I know what I'm going to sign for. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of is it going to be with the Alouettes, who I'd like to stay with, or do I if I if I want to make this certain amount of money that I've got in my head, do I have to do that elsewhere? And I think that's what that that seems to be the sentiment I got from a lot of the players that we spoke to, was that they want to stay here. They really do believe in what's going to be happening here as far as the culture changing and things improving for the better. It's just now, I think, a matter of they still got to take care of their business. They still got to feed their families. And I completely respect that. So for them to say, okay, well, I've got a certain amount of dollars in my head of what I want to sign for. And I would prefer not to go lesser than that. Completely respect that 100%. And I will always tell any football player in this league is take care of yourself. Worry, Just get the numbers right. Never mind the, the CBA. Never mind any of the other stuff that's going on. I mean, if... If you've been a part of the Montreal Alouettes, obviously, I would like for you to stay a part of the Montreal Alouettes. But if you've got to find your fortune elsewhere, I'll never hold it against anybody, and neither should anyone else. It's just that's just the way this sport is. It's a business now. I completely get it. You got to look out for yourself because not everybody's always looking out for your own best interest. So you got to take care of you more than anything else. So, in a way, I'm I am a little surprised because a lot of the players are banking on the fact that. 
they're banking on they're betting on themselves really is what it is and uh, as far as what the cba goes i think a lot of players will still hold out and see what's going to happen in, in that regards but uh i don't know i i it really is going to make for a very interesting off season i mean especially once free agency actually does roll around yeah, in february no kidding I think that's going to be the real litmus test as far as just how badly a team wants to keep a player or just how badly a player wants to stay with a certain team. I think that's going to be the big thing more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, it's, and then hearing, you know, also hearing the numbers that are being thrown around for the XFL in 2020. And I'm hearing, th- I'm like, that's nuts. Is Vince McMahon made out of money? Yes. So <laughs> he is actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I. A lot of the, a lot of leagues that I follow, are, uh, you know, that are, that aren't the NFL, are, are being affected by by the new uh, alliance of American football. So, um, what? Uh, also, I think another thing that 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 came across, and I think we knew this was coming. It's just a matter of what what the what the actual changes were going to be, and how it was going to affect not only us but the other teams in the league. Was that the CFL announced what their operate football operations salary cap was going to be? And I think there are a lot more effects on teams than people expected, as I mentioned. Um, you know, the, the Alouettes lost just more than coaches. We lost some scouts. We, I mean, it's like, what the what? Uh, besides Billy Parker, who else? Uh, who was uh, one, uh, one of our defensive backs coaches? Who, who else did we lose? Uh, we also lost Jason Tucker, yes, our uh, receivers yeah. coach. Yeah. Uh, a, a move that I, I was a little surprised by because uh, – and talking with a couple of receivers, uh, they were all extremely high on him as a coach and thought that they were really developing a really great relationship with him. Uh, so that affected, uh, I, I think that really that really took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, let's see, a couple of the, the uh, I guess, quality control coaching, which essentially is a nice way of saying coaching intern. Uh, those coaches won't be back next year as well. Uh, Billy Parker, as you said, who is the defensive backs coach, uh, also not not being retained, uh, which is tough, too, because Billy is also a former player for the Alouettes. Yeah. And again, like, the idea he's, also, he's been here since 09. Yeah, I, he's what he's won a couple of great cups as a player, uh, was just starting to find his uh, find his stride as a def- as, as a coach. After uh, well, his first coaching, his first season as coach, he was kind of bounced around a little bit as he was not necessarily assigned as defensive backs coach. He was just defensive, just a defensive coach in kind of one of those weird situations where uh, this is back when Noel Thorpe was defensive coordinator for the Alouettes. Uh, He and uh, Greg Quick were just sort of defensive coaches, so they can sort of interchange from one position to the other, which I thought was a little unusual. But uh, again, who am I to doubt Noel Thorpe as a, as a coach? I mean, <laughs> if, he, if that's how he wants to set things up, then so be it. Yeah. But uh, no, in 2018, it was pretty much defined that no, Billy Parker is the defensive backs coach, and that's where he shall stay. And I, I mean, I thought overall, like just, uh, I, I thought he was he was doing an okay job as coach. I mean, it's it's got to be tough for someone like that to make that transition, and of course, he's going to encounter bumps along the way. He certainly had a fair number of injuries, as again. Mitchell White, Dominique Ellis, those guys go down. Like those are two of your your stud defenders, and at, for the longest time, the secondary was really starting to struggle because they, they were just getting blown up by a lot of the the receivers in this league. But again, the the last couple of games, that defense really shut things down a lot more. They really tightened up, and you got to see the prowess of a lot of guys, especially uh, Tavon Campbell, Tommy Campbell. 
uh, Greg Reed, as we talked about. I mean, these were guys that really managed to help tighten things up in the secondary. And I think a lot of that had to do with Billy Parker, his calm demeanor as a coach, I think really helped those guys sort of settle down and just stay focused. Uh, and now, now you're going to have to replace that, which again, easier said than done. I mean, I, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, especially yeah, with me this, with this cap is. And considering too, we lost some scouts. We lost a uh, former Alouette, you know, he's a current Alouette alum, Eric Delorier, And we also lost Russ Land. And I'm yep. like, wait a minute, they're scout. And wasn't, wasn't Eric, wasn't he a local? Uh, it was for Canada, right? He was for Canada. Yeah, he was a national scout. Yeah. So, I mean, like, he, he was also part of the, one of the draft coordinators as well. So, I mean, like, he pretty much had a hand in the last two drafts, which, by the way, ended up being very solid for Montreal. So, now you're losing that. So, now I, the question I have to ask is, so is Kavis Reed going to do all the scouting? Like, literally all the scouting? Like, like how, how does it work now? Like, I mean, how, how does any CFL team, for that matter... If you're going to get rid of all your scouts, essentially, like who who's going to be watching all the film? Who's going to be going to all the colleges, whether it's U uh, Sports or NCAA, and try to find these guys? Like, you're just going to watch all the highlights on YouTube and hope for the best. Like, it, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm just baffled as to how this is actually supposed to work. Yeah, I mean, what what's your idea? By what's your thought on on the actual cap amount? It's uh, for 2019 and 2020, the to- total amount. On, on this cap is uh, $2.588 million. And again, you're going to have to use that to pay your coaching staff. Your It's 11 player. What is it now? It's capped at 11 coaches and 14 other operational staff. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of uh, medical personnel, right, that right, doesn't right, count. Right, right. As part of the whole player safety initiative by Randy Ambrosi. But uh, again, I, like, I understand you don't want to do like what Saskatchewan was doing. I was hiring like 20 some odd coaches. And then a whole bunch of other staff. But, I mean, my goodness, I'm just, again, I'm really at a loss for words as to how to explain how you're supposed to feel the competitive team. Now, mind you, this is affecting all nine teams in the CFL. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, if you're smart enough to hire the, the the best and the brightest minds, you should be allowed to do so. But now you've pretty much, you know, undercut everybody, essentially. And like now everybody else is going to be, uh, again, I know you're trying to level the playing field to make things more competitive. But, I mean... I, I just, I, I'm very skeptical to see how this is going to work. I mean, you're really going to have to be very creative as far as your coaching hires, as well as your general manager hires. And if you can somehow get a scout or two in there in the process, then more power to you. But I tell you, this is, it's going to make things very challenging for pretty much all nine teams of this league. What uh, makes me wonder how this would affect if you have a head coach, you fire the head coach, you know, because remember, is there going to be an out, so to speak? Uh, it's a question I would love to ask if we can get an answer to. Is where there'll be an out, sort of like what the six game is, the, the six game injured list. Will those type of, uh, of rules be set into place for this also? Because if you don't have a head coach, you you fire a head coach mid season. Does the rest of that money go against the cap? Mm, that's a fair point. And let's not forget too, a lot of coaches are now going to have to double, double dip as far as being both uh, not just head coach, but also either an offensive or defensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, just simply uh, with the simple fact that uh, again, you can only afford so many coaches and, or does this mean a lot of coaches coming in are just going to have to take pay cuts? Like that's, it really is going to make for an interesting off season as far as personnel moves go, because right. now let's not forget 
the Alouettes now have to hire a defensive coordinator. Right. And, and I was going to get into that. Okay, I was going to say, you know, with the with BC now hiring Devon Claybrooks as their head coach and uh, him hiring all of his staff, we did lose our our uh, our, our defensive coordinator, Rich Stuhler. Um, what, what, my first question, by the way, Cliff, was this. When, when I heard he got hired, what were the variables for, for the Alouettes to disqualify him or to say thank you but no thank you and having him him not be our head coach this past year, be hired as our head coach, and it seems to be a no brainer for him going to BC. What just real quickly? What 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 was your your thought on that uh, on on that question itself? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, I would have loved to see Devon Claybrooks be the head coach here, but yeah. I I really think that in the interview, and again, I'm purely speculating here. I have no inside information as far as. The, the, how the interview process went. My thought was that he wanted to hire his own people. He was pretty much probably told, no, you're going to have to accept the fact that we've got some of these guys on staff already, and you're going to have to just play along with them. And he probably just said, well, F that. I'll, I'll just, I'll wait. I'll, I'll go back to Calgary, hopefully win another great cup, and then I'll really be able to write my own ticket. That's my thought on it. I have a feeling, and sure enough, look what happened. <laughs> he goes back to Calgary. He wins a great cup as defensive coordinator for the Stampeders. And yeah, I, I, again, there was really, truly only two coaching positions, head coaching positions available in, in this offseason so far, Toronto being one and BC being the other. It, well, it just well, seemed like well a, the changes in Hamilton, too, where you never expect somebody to be elevated to a head coach and the head coach to say, ah, pff, you know what? I'll become a lesser important role. I've never seen that in, in pro football. Usually you think if you're, you're not there as a head coach anymore, you're gone. But not in the case yeah. in Hamilton. I mean, you know, Steinauer, okay, great, great. He was expected to be there anyways. But still, June Jones is to step down to become an OC? That's so, if we're the same team, that's so weird. You don't see that in pro football. It is very weird, and yeah, it, it, again, I understand the the need to keep a guy like Orlando Steinhauer because he is one of those guys, those up and coming guys that if you don't make him a head coach, somebody else will. And I, I, again, it really speaks to how how June Jones must be as a as a coach and how much he believes in the organization that he was willing to, I guess, put aside his ego to accept a, a lesser role in order to keep Steinhauer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, as you said, this completely uncharted territory. I know, I know. Um, but getting getting back there to the positions now, now, with BC letting go basically everybody on their staff, mostly everybody on their staff, there are some potentials of who can become the Alouettes DC. Mm-hmm. And it's very possible. It Wow. Could... Uh, could could is very possible that uh, our OC could be reunited with a former DC from BC. Wait, wait a minute, I didn't. Mean, that was totally random. I did not mean to do that. I did not mean to do that. But holy alphabet, Batman! I know. I tell you, holy acronyms. Well, what do you what do you think about that? You, you, you see that from Mark Washington? Is it? I uh, mean, he has to be one of the major leaders for for becoming our our next DC. But I mean, it, what what's your thought? Oh, absolutely. And I know that Mark Washington had actually interviewed for the head coaching position last year with the Alouettes. And I have a feeling the same idea was he was probably told he would have to work with certain coaches and not be allowed to choose his own staff. So once again, decided thanks, but no thanks and went back to his old job. Now that he's been sort of shown the door, 
Now, could he possibly resurface in Montreal as defensive coordinator? Definitely. I, and that's a move that I would not be opposed to because, one, a former Alouette who pretty much knows what it's like to participate in this in this city. Uh, as far as defensive coordinator goes, I, I'd have no problem with that whatsoever. I'm also looking at uh, someone like a Mike Benavides as well, mm-hmm. who was defense, uh, the defensive coordinator for the Edmonton Eskimos. But because of this whole salary cap thing, uh, basically he too is uh, being shown the door. Uh would he be willing to come east and be a part of this Alvarez organization? I can't say for certain, but I mean that's a, certainly another name that's uh, very interesting. Another name that I had thought of too is also from Edmonton, uh, for and another former Alouette in Baron Miles, yeah, who's hey. done a done a great job uh, coaching up their defensive backs as well. And I'd be interested to see what he could do as as DC. Uh, I mean, there's there's certainly some options that are out there for Montreal as far as defensive coordinators go. Uh, Perhaps one that most people maybe didn't think of, but is certainly a possibility as well, is, well, the former <laughs> defensive coordinator for the Alouettes, Khalil Carter. I know he had wanted to take a step back and it was planning to be more of a scout for the Alouettes. But I wonder if maybe now with all these changes and everything, could he maybe be perhaps reintroduced as DC for the Alouettes? I don't know. That, uh, that too is... Uh, how that occurred last year, with all honesty, because we heard more than one story. In the press, I I got a feeling I got a feeling the Owls will probably go in a different direction. I got a feeling too, but I mean, again, these are this is all speculation. Yeah, 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 because yeah. I, I don't think uh, I don't think the Owls were really planning on losing Coach Stubler, but lo and behold, these opportunities come up, and again, maybe it's a, obviously he he's he's worked with uh, Devon Claybrooks in the past, especially he has that player coach relationship with him. And also working together in a coaching uh, capacity as well. So obviously, Clay Brooks feels very comfortable in how Stubler would run his defensive schemes and things can translate very well for the BC Lions. So, I mean, hey, more power to him. But uh, now it comes down to like, okay, well, who's going to do this job now in Montreal? And is this dreaded coaching salary cap, is that going to affect? who we hire as well. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, again, there's just, there's so much to think about here and I, I, I'm really curious to see what direction this is going to go in. Yeah. Um, trying to think what else you were to give some last thoughts of the 2018 season to you. What would be the thing that, that, that stands out the most? I mean, we have our games that we liked. We have, I mean, if there's one specific thing that stood out for you for the Alouettes for the 2018 season, what would it be? I think it would have to be the emergence of Antonio Pipkin as quarterback. Uh, again, he was left for dead, came in at a time when the Alouettes really needed someone to step up and be a leader, and this team responded to him. Mm-hmm. They responded to him in a way that they sure as hell didn't for Drew Willie. They didn't for Jeff Matthews. They didn't do it for Matthew Schiltz. Uh, I mean, they really get a chance to do it, but they also didn't do it for Vernon Adams either. And while they have, I guess, because they really haven't had much of a choice. They've responded, in a sense, to Johnny Mansell as well. I really saw what this dynamic was with Pipkin under center. And even though he's only 24 years old, you saw a good glimpse of what the future was going to be. And I remember saying at the start of the season, I had a feeling it was going to be Matthew Schultz or Antonio Pipkin that were going to be leading the Alouettes. And they were going to take their lumps along the way. It was not going to be pretty. But these guys, if you gave them the chance, they were going to be able to perform and if nothing else, they were going to learn and grow within the organization. And it, again, if you gave me that scenario yeah. 
over, you know, blowing your brains out trying to get some flash in the pan former NFL superstar, and you still end with the same results, I, I think you would be better off to go with the young guys and hope and pray that this was going to work out. And I think in a sense it did. And I think it really gave fans a chance uh, to really look into the future because after 2019, who knows what the hell is going to happen with Johnny Manziel? Uh, maybe he decides a uh, lot's going to decide what's going how he's going to approach this offseason. Is he really committed to being a CFL quarterback, or is he still just sort of going to come in and do as much as he can? But in the back of his mind, he still thinks he belongs in the NFL, and maybe decides to go to one of these other leagues like the A, the the Alliance, or the XFL because at least he'd be getting paid in American money, and more eyes would be on him as a result. And if that's the case, then you really do have to look yet again to the future as far as the Alouettes quarterback situation goes. And as far as I'm concerned, if you were to make Vernon Adams, Antonio Pipkin, Matthew Schiltz your one-two-three punch as far as quarterback goes, I'd have absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, they each, I really they each, wouldn't. Yeah, they each showed so, so great poise and what they could do this year. And all of them are now committed to the Alouettes for for next season and beyond. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, like that's the nucleus you have to build. I mean. And again, I'm not trying to put down Johnny Manziel or anything like that. It's just a matter of who really wants to be here in Montreal and lead this team. Does Johnny Manziel really want to be a part of the Montreal Alouettes? A lot of it's going to depend really on how he approaches this offseason. Is he going to dedicate himself to being a CFL quarterback or is he just going to show up and do what he does, which is fine, really, but not as far as I'm concerned, it's not planning for the future. And I think if the Alouettes were to commit more to the three other quarterbacks that I mentioned versus Manziel, I think they'd be setting themselves up for not just 2019, but beyond that, like really looking towards the future with a long-term plan for eventual success. And I think that's what's got to be key more than anything else right now is planning for the future and really deciding what's going to work. Because as far as I'm concerned, for Mike Sherman and Kavis Reed to be given that vote of confidence yet again, despite a, a, a slightly improving but still a losing season they're fourth in a row yeah. for them to get that vote of confidence from ownership saying okay we got you but as far as i'm concerned now this truly this 2019 really is put up or shut up time for these guys because if the alouettes don't make the playoffs or if they don't at least equal their you know at least at least get to eight or, or nine and nine i i don't see this work i don't i i think once again you're gonna have to hit the reset button which i'm pretty sure Ownership's getting sick and tired of having to reset and retool and rebuild over and over again. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I'm taking a different approach because it. it, it I'm actually. I actually enjoyed the the growth of how the Toujours game branding started off this year. We just thought it was just a, you know, just a regular. It was just a hashtag. It was just a a. a you know, a, a a a slogan for the for the 2018 season, but it, it actually grew into something a lot larger. I mean, sure, we didn't like some of the looks that they had. Felt that they were going cheap for uh, on the on the helmet logos, et cetera, et cetera. But and it changing up, you know, uh, once a month. But it all had a method to the madness, and, and little did we know that if the if the Owls had been doing well, as we found out with our interview earlier in the season with uh, TSN's Matthew Shinetti that the team was going to go ahead and launch their new uniforms there and then in October. But it was pushed back because of how poor that the team was currently playing, and they decided to to put push the pause button. This this thing has just blown up. It's gone from, just as I said, just a slogan to a website. 
you can go to the website. You can uh, read every uh, read uh, the history of the team, the different uh, lookbacks, uh, fans' stories, including my own. Um, it, it's it's just a unique idea, and it's all going to start again, end, so to speak, but start again in February, the first weekend in February, with the new look, the new look Alouettes, the, 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 something that we haven't seen since the major change to what the Alouettes are currently wearing now. Um, speaking of, I have to at least mention this, that it's, uh, you know, the, you see things where you can win contests and whatnot by, by doing whatever with the Alouettes, so you fill in the survey or, you know, I, I said, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and put in my, my story with, uh, the toujoursgame.ca website and, and lo and behold, and this is the first thing I, I actually got an email from them, Cliff, and I actually did win. Uh, if anybody was following me on social media, you saw it. I actually won a, a, a jacket from the from the team for my story and that's the first thing that i can remember winning as uh, in my 20 plus years as a season ticket holder with the owls and i love it i love the jacket um so go as i said on social media go to toujoursgame.ca put in your story and maybe you too can have a chance at winning something so there you go by the way speaking of new things cliff the guy uh, cam and the guys over at the the, the boutique they got some of the 2010 throwbacks up, dude, Oof. and at a decent price. Where can you go and pick up? And it's by the way, they're not sponsored by us, but this is this is you can buy one of the 2009 all red throwbacks for 99 bucks. You can buy one of those other ones, the 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 Delta logo ones from 2010 for 120. Game worn wow. jersey for 12 120. Dude, dude, yes, I was looking for your number. They didn't have it. Um, <laughs> so yeah it's as i said it's they, they were you know so much on the field i was trying to pick something that was different and but i agree with your your points about the quarterbacks and stuff like that and uh it's just how let's see let's again it's it's gonna be like a uh a, 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 it's gonna be like going back to the corner of Diligosia chair and mountain right there at the what was Moe's, which is now baton rouge if anybody does, hasn't head over there in a long time, back in 1996, this is my story, back in 96, early 96, the Owls did an unveiling of what their current logo is. Not not the A, but the old, uh, the full logo. Mm-hmm. And I was there in 96 to watch them unveil it. They had an artist paint the logo on the wall. And it's still there to this day. Mm-hmm. So if if you are a longtime Alouette fan and remember this, or a new Alouette fan and, and uh, didn't know this, Head over there. Uh, I think it's what it's not. That's not called Delicacia Chair now. What, what's that called? It's called Rue de Canada de Montréal. That, that's what yes. it's called. That's what it's called now. Right near the McDonald's. Right near the McDonald's and the is it an Esso station? Yeah, it's an Esso station. Yeah, and the Esso station. Right there. You can't miss it. It's right on the on the side for Baton Rouge, and the logo the logo is still there to this day. So, huh. and I. I I'm in complete agreement with you as far as this team having to re re brand itself i guess is the best way to describe this uh, this new look that's coming in february and i guess kind of ties into what i was talking about as well as far as just thinking long term as far as the direction this team wants to go in and whether they've got the people in place to lead that team uh again only time's going to tell but uh, i think it just with this rebrand, it being so important, be, because the Alouettes desperately have to shed this image they have. Because right now they're they're not even the lovable losers of the Canadian Football League. That's the thing. Like that, they're just they're just looked upon as a joke. 
And it's it's disheartening because we support this team. We want this team to succeed. And all Alouettes fans want this team to succeed. And again, the only way you're going to do it is to win football games. So how do you win football games? you got to put the best possible product out on the field. And how do you pr- put the best possible product out on the field? Have the right people in place to put the best possible product out on the field in order to win football games. You yeah. see how everything ties together? Yeah. One doesn't happen without the other. And again, it's it's one thing to come out with you know really cool new uniforms and a new look and all that stuff. That's that's awesome. That's great. That's good. That's gonna get fans talking. It's gonna get people excited and get people hyped for football, which is great. That's what the Alouettes want to do. And as a result, they're gonna sell a lot more merch. They're gonna get their name the the name of the team on everybody's lips. That's important. But it's all it doesn't add up to a hill of beans if all you're gonna do is put out the same tired product on the field over and over again. So that's this is where Montreal really has to do a lot of soul searching this offseason and make sure, especially now that you have to hire a new defensive coordinator, now that you have to retool your your scouting staff. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty much the the internal parts of the organization. You got to make sure you have the right pieces in place so that when you do get those players in, those whether it's free agents, people that are returning that want to believe in the Alouettes and come back for another tour of duty with them, whether it's uh, the young players are going to be drafted in May, all those guys, when they come together at the end of May for training camp, do we have those right people in place that are going to ensure that this team doesn't? come out with another three and 15 record or five and 13 record because yeah that's a slight improvement but it's still not what i'd consider a true improvement like this team has to be built competitively and it has to be able to win and as far as i'm concerned that's the only way you're going to shed this loser label that has fallen on the team that's the only way you're going to reestablish that 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 passion that alouette's fans have because right now fans that love this team are going to love the team no matter what but this city wants a winner. The Montreal Canadiens are, you know, for the most part, finding their winning ways again. Uh, the Montreal Impact, people want to see winners there. People are still talking about what's going on with Major League Baseball and the possibility, the, the, the slim possibility that maybe one day the Expos will come back. And when they do, they're expected to be winners as well. So the Montreal sports scene, it's all about winning games. Whatever the sport is, you have to win games. And the Alouettes are no different. This team has to win and has to be competitive at all times. And my hope is that this offseason, they're doing everything possible to put together that that to find that winning formula, put it together and let it show on the field. Yeah. That's as far as I'm concerned, that's got to be more important than brand new uniforms, a brand new look, a logo, whatever you want to call it. But I understand why they want to do that. And that's great. But again, that's all well and good. But you've got to be able to have the winning product that that's all the route to it. Yeah. Um, we, as I said before, this is the last show of the 2018 calendar year. We do have some ideas for what things that we do, what we do for the off season. And obviously there's that huge thing in February, uh, with the, with the relaunch of the Alouettes brand. Uh, we hope to have something very special for you guys, uh, for that weekend. Um, and there are other things that, that I'm sure that are going to come across the wire for, for the Alouettes. Um, don't forget also, too, by we're talking about the, 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 the shop, uh, the boutique, they're offering 50% off on everything, for, on most products at the shop uh, until the 25th. And they're also offering free shipping. So, hey, why not? I did. I got that. Hey, Cliff, I finally got that Delta logo hat I wanted. 
Oh, sweet. Yeah, I finally got the hat that I wanted. I uh, was able to visit the visit the uh, the crew over there this uh, past weekend. I went over on Sunday because they were opening on Sunday. So I, I said, going, going. Uh, so, uh, and one last thing, Cliff, I have to ask you before we finish up uh, this calendar year of uh, Alouette's Flight Deck uh, podcasts, uh, which is the better Christmas movie, Die Hard or Gremlin? Wow. <laughs> I'll say Die Hard. Really? Yep. I'd, I'd probably say more Gremlins. And it's nothing to do with Phoebe Cates at all. No, no, nothing to do with Phoebe Cates. Mm-mm. No. No, no, not the um. So, See, as the saying goes, it's not it's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls down from the Nakamura Plaza. <laughs> Actually, I just heard this thing recently that uh, I don't remember who 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 re who re edited it, but they re edited Die Hard as a Christmas the trailer as a Christmas movie. Oh yeah, I think I saw that. I, I've got to go watch this. Go watch this. <laughs> um, Cliff, what uh, last thing for? the show uh this week what are your wishes for the end of this uh for the few days that are left in the 2018 and your wishes going forward to 2019 well uh i mean it's been quite the year i i mean for the alouettes flight deck for the alouettes themselves i mean i i think the biggest thing that i would probably wish for to close out the year is just can we get a schedule? Do you think we can get a CFL schedule <laughs> Watch out? Watch it come out tomorrow. <laughs> oh, if it does, I'd be so mad. I'd be like, oh, all this. But There's our no. next show. Um. <laughs> and, and going into 2019, as I said, the, I, I've already said my piece about what this team has to do as far as putting together a winning product and just getting rid of that loser label that seems to be hanging overhead. So, again, uh, we're always told trust the process, keep the faith, you know, believe that the people that are in place – are there to ensure this team success. And I, I want to do that. I really do. And so my, my wish is that, okay, if I give this team the faith and the belief that they've got the right pieces in place, don't, don't, don't do anything to disrupt that faith. Don't do anything to shake my faith because it's not easy being a supporter of this team and having so many missteps along the way. I mean, there's only, there's only so much defending one can do. And it would just be nice to go into a, a season and have everybody doubt you, only to have those doubts erased immediately. And that, to me, I guess would be my biggest wish for 2019, is that the Alouettes come out, they've gotten a new look, a new identity, they're bringing in some top-notch players, and they've got the right coaching staff in place that's going to lead to that success that I was talking about. So to me, that would be my wish for 20 going into 2019. My first wish, is, my first thing for 2018 is, is just to thank everybody who supported the podcast for not just this year, but for the, uh, you know, for the three seasons that we've been doing this. Um, and obviously to everybody to have a safe, uh, a safe and happy holiday season. Uh, 2019, um, I'm just, I'm looking forward to the, to the, to the new look. I'm looking forward to a change in the Alouettes. You know, because they, they keep saying, Cliff, that it's that this new look is is more than just the Alouettes. It's more than just the, the look, the brand. It's about the city. I'm curious to see which route they're taking. Because, um, man, I am I am so skeptical when it comes to logos and how a team's identity is. I am so I am so far the stuff that's leaked. Uh, I'm happy with so far. Um, I, I think for us, 
even though with the minor changes to Percival Molson for 2019, uh, it's like a new start in itself for the team, for the stadium. Uh, Sure, you can complain about what possibly was spent to, to, to get it up to that, and now look where we are. Sometimes changes, new changes have to be made in order to make a team stronger. And for all we know, if the team can put a good product on, on the field in 20, 2019, uh, we'll have those, some of those sections open back up. Let's get some more fans and fans in the stands. But again, you're right. Let's get this schedule up first and then we can gauge on, then we can complain on how many Thursday games we have. Hopefully, hopefully one at home, but we'll see. (laughs) Hopefully. Or hopefully all on the road. I've got no problem with that either. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. well, if we know TSN, that won't happen. One team will have to have at least one one at home. So, uh, but you know, what? also for me for twenty uh, for twenty nineteen, and I know you didn't wish this, but let's let's get confirmation of a stadium and a new team in Halifax. Ooh, yes, that that's huge. Yeah, let's let, let's make this truly a coast to coast Canadian Football League, and yeah, let's uh, let's. Uh, Let's welcome the Maritimes to, to the party. Let's invite our friends out east to come join this this great thing that we call the Canadian Football League. Come on, Greg. I'm, I'm, You're welcome. Come on, Greg. <laughs> oh yeah, you know absolutely, Greg. He's got to bring all of his buddies. He's got to he's got to get his people in Halifax to be on board with this. And again, you know what the name's going to be. You can already already you can buy Atlantic Schooners merch. They they just put up a website already. Like you can you can buy a swag with Atlantic schooners written on it. Nice. So, I mean, let, let, let's make this happen. Let's let's make it ten. Let's make it a perfect ten for the Canadian Football League. Yeah, let's do that. So, for the last time for the 2018 uh, calendar year, uh, it's been our pleasure again uh, to come to you guys uh, every week during the regular season and during the off season. So, so for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Happy holidays, and we're on final approach. Take- Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.